Good evening, anatomy nerds, or good morning, or good afternoon, or good night, depending on where you are. This is Anatomy Bites. My name is Nick. I'm your host. I am a third year doctor of physical therapy student in sunny Southern California in the United States of America. And today's episode is something special. I have recently changed Uh, in my educational experience from academic to clinical. So I have some things that I've learned that I would love to impart. And, you know, to be honest, I was going to throw some OIAs in here and make it an anatomy bite, but this episode turned out to be quite chunky on its own. And so I think we'll just leave it at that. So I'm going to give you two pearls, two lessons, And um, we'll pick up with some anatomy in the next episode, but I hope if you're going into the PT profession or if you're going into the medical field at all, that these clinical pearls or professional or life pearls, whatever you'd like to call them, are helpful for you. Let me know what you think, and we'll be back after a quick word from our sponsor. All right, and the segment that you've been waiting for lessons from the field. So if you've been listening for a while, you know that I'm in my third year of my Doctor of Physical Therapy program here in sunny Southern California. And at my school, that means that I've just started my first clinical rotation. So I've done my first two years, pretty much all didactic academic work with the exception of a pro bono neuroclinic that we had in our second year. But now is really where we put all of those lessons into application where I am spending the summer with one of my classmates in a real physical therapy outpatient clinic. So we have a full-time work schedule. We've completed two weeks. Today was my first day of my third week and I have two clinical pearls, or maybe we can call these life pearls because these are more personalized advice rather than clinical advice. This is advice for you, the practitioner, or the pre-PT, or the pre-med, or the pre-PA, whatever. Pre-health, I have advice for you. And these are probably the two most outstanding points that I have taken home in the last two weeks. Here we go. And these are in no particular order. Take them in whatever order they are most meaningful for you. My first advice is to practice what you preach. As a physical therapist, especially, you need to exercise. You need to lift weights, you need to work out, you need to be fit for your job. And this is not only to promote saliency for your patients and to garner more rapport and buy-in because if they see that you are fit, they are more inspired. This is actually also for you as the PT. In PT, we use our bodies a lot, especially in an outpatient orthopedic setting where you're doing manual therapy, or if you're 
in, let's say, an inpatient experience such as the ICU, you need to be strong and you need to protect your body. And that means start lifting weights now and do it with good mechanics. Get strong. I cannot recommend this enough. Um, I am a small person for the most part. I'm five foot four and I weigh eh, in the ballpark of 125, 130 pounds. And I tell you this because I need to draw a comparison to some of the patients who I've been handling in the last two weeks. And I'll start by saying that my clinical instructor is probably about six foot three inches, maybe taller. I'm not quite sure. And he has big muscles. He's a big, strong guy. Okay. And so naturally he gets the patients who tend to be taller, bigger people. So they get assigned to my clinical instructor, my CI, and then I have to do the same application of manual therapy on the patient as my CI. And some of these patients have been well over six feet. Um, some of them probably well over 200, 250 pounds. Um, and you know, I have to provide the same level of care as my CI would. Um, as far as, you know, obviously considering my experience level, but like I need to provide the same application of forces. I need to hold the same limb, the same femur and tibia. And, you know, I need to support the same weight as um, my CI would be able to. And I also need to be able to support longer limbs and make adjustments that allow me to provide the same procedures. And so something I've learned in these last two weeks is that I need to get stronger. And it's not to say that I wasn't exercising before, but you know, with the pandemic, it's been difficult to maintain a normal routine, but especially because of grad school. In graduate school, we are just, you know, run over the rails with assignments and studying that really, if I have to reflect, if my conditioning has suffered at all in the last year, it's more so been because of grad school than the pandemic, because I have all the equipment in my garage. I purchased equipment um, secondhand early in the pandemic, and I've been riding my bike like, uh, I've ridden my bike like over 2,000 miles in the last year. So it's not that I haven't been working out, but, uh, you know, I haven't been lifting enough weights, and that is because I've been studying so much. And so if there's one thing that I could change about the last year of school, it would be that I was more consistent with my weightlifting routine, lifting more, lifting heavier with good mechanics, of course, building up to that, and also learning more dynamic exercises so that I could take those straight from my own practice and work them into the clinic. If you already have a background in uh, personal training, you know, you have a little bit more of a level up than I do. But regardless, keep your physical condition in tip-top shape because you're gonna put a lot of mileage on your body in this profession and you need to protect yourself. So 
You don't want to be, you know, wasting your body in the first few years of your career because you have these little aches and pains that when, you know, exacerbated uh, by poor mechanics or, or poor strength, you're uh, not able to sustain your career. Protect yourself. Invest in yourself. Invest in yourself from a career perspective academically, but also from a health perspective. Practice what you preach. And along with that goes with good nutrition and proper sleep, because this is all part of the package. You need to demonstrate to your patients how to be physically fit, and your fitness relies so much on what you put into your body and how you let it recover. So that is life lesson Life pearl number one. Life pearl number two is something that has been kicking around in my brain for a few years and became very apparent today. And this especially, I have to say, this especially goes for people living in the United States. And I'll explain why. Learn a second language. Clinical pearl, life pearl number two, learn a second language. And if you're early in your studies, do it now. And the reason is this. Maybe this doesn't apply so much um, if you live in another part of the world where it's more customary to grow up learning multiple languages. But here in the United States, we tend to think of learning a second language as an accessory, an option something that we don't have to do. And it's treated as such in our secondary education. So, you know, maybe to graduate high school, you have to take like one or two basic introductory classes to, you know, to graduate in, you know, Spanish or Mandarin or French or whatever, or sign language, American Sign Language. But we're not cultivating from a young age graduates who are fluent in a conversational way. And so if you aren't really going beyond the bare minimum requirements of learning a second language, then you really aren't bringing yourself to a level of meaningful use of that language. And the United States is a country of immigrants and from a uh, humanistic perspective, why wouldn't you want to communicate with your fellow human, but also from a job security perspective? If you learn a second language, and this goes to any field, even if you're not in the medical field, but especially if you're in the medical field, if you learn a second language to a level that you are able to utilize it in a conversational way in your practice, you will never be out of a job. So just for an example, my minor in in undergrad was Spanish. And I mean, yeah, comparatively, languages tend to be more of a strength for me. And so I can't really relate to a person who has a hard time learning another language, but If you could just take it from my perspective for a moment, I'll tell you why it's really important. So 
I have spent many, many years studying Spanish, and I even was able to be fortunate enough to study abroad my third year of university, and I studied in Barcelona, Spain. And so although the Spanish that became more concrete in my brain, which is, you know, Castellano, Castilian Spanish, is slightly different, slightly different than the common Spanish spoken where I live here in California, which is primarily from Mexico, Guatemala, and Latin America. But to say, to say the least, we can understand each other. We can have a conversation. Some of the phrasing might be different. Some of the colloquialisms might be different, but we can certainly have a conversation, um, no problem. So I came from a different field. I am a career changer. I, um, my first job was in the legal field and I worked at a nonprofit law office that um, helped out low-income families and individuals. And I utilized my Spanish a lot in that job. I also worked at a courthouse in a sim the similar in the legal profession um, as a clerk. And so right after graduating, I, I wanted to keep that experience going of being bilingual because it was always very important to me and I worked very hard to get there. Um, so I always chose jobs where I needed to use another language. And so basically my entire working life, I have worked in jobs where I've been able to use Spanish. And the thing is, is that when you are able to communicate in your professional life with a population that has been marginalized um, by not being you know, native in the mainstream language, you're providing a grand service because imagine this, imagine wherever you are in your job, you have a customer who needs your service or your product um, and maybe there are certain complexities to the situation that might be important to know, might be important to communicate in order to get said service or said product that they need. And for one way or another, communicating those complexities is a challenge for that person. Imagine how difficult it is to live your entire life like that. And how grateful you are when you finally meet someone in that profession, in that service, that, that office that you're going to, who can now understand your needs and help you to get the thing that you need, the service or the product that you need. Pretty powerful, pretty profound, right? And I've always had this experience where I, I never take for granted the fact that I speak a second language, but I am always reminded of that gratitude when I am able to have these conversations. And it really warms my heart to be able to help somebody out that by, by looking at me, you know, when they come in and they see me at the front desk and they don't know if I am somebody with whom they can communicate, when you first have that experience of introducing yourself and saying, hey, I can speak your language if you prefer to communicate that way, the relief 
that is felt by that individual in so many circumstances has been very profound and it's very it's very heartwarming for me to be able to provide a link in that way and imagine that scenario and put the gravity of a medical experience in that person's hands you know um politics aside whether you think you know one thing or another about the immigration in our country being able to take somebody's very personalized experience through the lens of healthcare into your hands and to help somebody to feel like they're going to be heard like their needs and their most personal fears are going to be heard um, is is a very it's a very honorable experience to be on the other side of um, and you know today I had my first patient in the clinic where I'm rotating who speaks Spanish and um, there is another gentleman who with whom I work um, who speaks Spanish as well but he wasn't in the same position as me um, and so I had a unique skill set to offer this patient and we didn't have to call a translator we didn't have to go through a third party and you know take the extra time that that requires we were able to simply converse and get the job done and um, you know in my past experience working in two prior clinics when I was doing my prerequisite studies leading up into starting graduate school, I was always one of the only Spanish speakers in the company or in the office in which I was working. And, you know, it just kind of always struck me as this very dire need that we need to be providing better service as healthcare providers to reflect the populations with whom we work because not all of our patients are cookie cutter. Um, they're not all homogenous of one you know, background, whether racial, religious, um, uh, nationality, gender, sexual orientation, expression, um, any of it. We are a very diverse country and especially, you know, in a very urban environment in which I live, you know, the fact that I have been able to now work in three different clinics um, or volunteer in three different clinics or study in three different clinics, whatever you want to call it, where I am one of the only people that speaks this language that is providing a service. And I'm not even a native speaker, so you know, I'm doing the best that I can, but I know it's not perfect. It just, it just shows me how, how necessary it is for us to grow as a profession. And so, um, yes, this is my soapbox. <laughs> and, you know, I hope that you can take something away from that where, you know, if you want to look at it from a humanistic, compassionate perspective, I've given you lots of evidence on why learning a second language is important to the level that you can use it in your business, but also 
Let's talk about it from an economic perspective. Simply because of this one skill, I will never be out of a job. And, you know, it's something that I'm proud of, but it's also something that employers recognize. And so, you know, if you want an edge, if you want to be compassionate, that's one reason enough and provide the best service you can. But also, if you want an edge in your profession and you want that thing on your resume that makes you different from the next person, learning second language will always, always, always make you incredibly more competitive in that job pursuit. So um, lots and lots of reasons to become proficient in, you know, another language. And in, in, my, in my area, for me, that was Spanish. But, you know, I could have also, growing up, chosen Mandarin. I could have chosen Arabic. I could have chosen Vietnamese. Those are also popular and uh, widely spoken languages in this area. But I chose Spanish um, because I had traveled to Mexico and, you know, became curious about it. So that is my second clinical pearl, life pearl, life lesson. And so I hope that these two lessons today are enough food for thought to keep you busy. If those are two things that you can do to prepare yourself for an excellent career, those are two things I would recommend to you. And that's that. So if you have questions, if you have comments, uh, please hit me up on social media. I am on all platforms at Nikki-Ray, at sign N-I-K-K-I-D-A-S-H-R-A-E. I love to hear from you. I love to get your DMs. I am mostly on Instagram, but I'll answer you on the other platforms as well. Um, yeah, let me know what you think. And as a follow-up, as a follow-up to this discussion, I will say that something I've been thinking about because I want to get better at Spanish all the time. It's, it's not something that um, I am, you know, I'm good at learning language, but I'm not around it in my home environment. So I always feel like there's opportunities to keep learning. And so I am thinking that I am going to start offering select episodes in Spanish as well to widen our audience and also to improve my own vocabulary about, about anatomy. So if you're a Spanish speaker listening to this, let me know what you think about that. Would you like some of these episodes um, in Spanish? I found a great textbook. It's, it's not um, the same resource, but it's from what I see very, very close to the one that I've been using. Um, and so I think it's, it would be a great resource and uh, I would love to just widen up the Anatomy Bites experience to as many people as I can. So let me know what you think. I thank you for listening and I hope to hear from you soon. This has been Anatomy Bites. Take care, bye-bye. <laughs>